0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks,
1: that's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right, I'm a meatball. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of the Sox On Tap Post Game Show. It's your host, Tony Marchese. And tonight, I'm joined by a very special person in the On Tap Sportsnet group, a guy that hasn't been on this show before, but he made a debut over on Cubs On Tap. It's our guy, Brian. He's the one who's cutting up all these video clips of all of us getting on the post game show every day. And there's a reason why he's here, there's a reason why he's with us. And I asked him to be part of this show is because Brian, despite living in the Chicagoland area, is a big Diamondbacks fan. Uh, and when we were setting this up, I did not expect the White Sox to get swept, but I am a man of my word, and Brian is here. And it's going to be painful for me to, to kind of talk about how awesome it was for you to witness your Diamondbacks come into Chicago. But I figured it was a good time to bring in some out, outside perspective on uh, somebody who's pretty tuned in to this White Sox team. So, Brian, welcome aboard. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where they can find you, and uh, all that good stuff?
0: Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Uh, don't worry. I'll make it hurt a little less, I'll, or at least I'll try to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as uh, everyone, where you can find me, you can see my Twitter handle there, LeFeverFever. Uh, that's so you know how to pronounce my last name. Also, Catch It is there so you know. You want to catch that La Fever fever, uh, so you can check out my stuff there. I'm mostly posting about baseball, and uh, occasionally you'll see some like emo music on there. Sorry, I can't get past it. It was it was my youth. <laughs> well,
1: I've seen some of your tweets. I, I think you're a pretty good follow over there. I've, I've agreed with you on a couple of different musical choices uh, that I've seen come from uh, from that Twitter account. And if you don't have the fever, as Brian said, catch it. Uh, Brian, you do an excellent job. Uh, you know, post-production on this show. And uh, it's it's awesome to have you on these airwaves again because you, uh, as I've gotten to know you, uh, you love baseball, I think, just as much as pretty much everybody who's on this show. So I'm excited to kind of just go down some topics here with you um, about the White Sox and some other stuff in general as we've got Sunday fun day upon us. It's not very fun around here if you're a White Sox fan. Obviously, um, Sox got swept this weekend. Uh, apologies. This is our first show in the weekend. So we've got a lot of talk about, um, through this weekend, Brian, you were at the ballpark. Um, I did not venture down there, uh, throughout the weekend, but just a real quick recap for those, uh, just tuning into this or, or catching the podcast version of this on Monday morning, Friday, a seven to two final, uh, Johnny Cueto's worst start. We're going to get into that. Saturday was a ten to five, what felt like an absolute beatdown of the Chicago White Sox. Davis Martin, uh just you know, in there in uh in Copac spot, unable to do anything. And then today, uh even more of a painful one, it's uh Dylan Cease going eight innings, giving up two hits, both of them leaving the yard, and the White Sox uh once again uh, a rally short of, of being able to come back in that ball game after Kendall Graveman. Uh, is unable to uh, keep the game tied. Uh, Just a lot to take in um, as a White Sox fan. I know, Brian, uh, you're familiar with this team, but let's hear your overall reaction to this series with the Arizona Diamondbacks.
0: Well, I mean, I think, honestly, it's just unfortunate timing for the White Sox with all the injuries um, that they've been having. And, you know, a lot of people overlook this Diamondbacks team. You look at their record. And you're like, they're sub 500. There's no way that these guys are good. But when you actually look at like what's happened this season, you know they went out and got Mark Melanson, who was the saves leader in the league last year. And I was like, wow, they actually like went out and got a guy who can close games for them. And what has Melanson done? He's proceeded to lose 10 games. So <laughs> if you look at the record right now, it's yeah, uh, I believe they're. Let me let me look after today. I think it's uh, 69, right? Or 59 apologies, 59 and 67. Uh, so we add those 10 losses, they're 69 and 67. But you also have to think about Ian Kennedy, who's closed out a few games, he has four losses, so 14 games that the Diamondbacks should have won, and that would actually put them in the wild card race ahead of San Diego in the standings. Um, so they're a lot better team than they actually look. It's just their story for the last five years and probably for even longer has been their bullpen problems. Like they, they cannot close out games. Uh, and it, it started okay at the beginning of the season, but it's starting to creep back up on them. Like even on yes, last night, Melanson came in, you know, and that's when the Sox rally started and I was even shouting from the stands, Tori, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, don't, there's no lead is safe with Melanson out there. And it's just, he's
1: just in something right now where, where it's just not working for him. He's- well, they came into town and played the White Sox. So Brian, <laughs> everything seemed to come up Diamondbacks. I don't. It, this whole season has just felt. It's the weirdest movie I've ever watched, um, and it's on repeat. We've called it Groundhog Day on this show. It, it, it's it's the broken record. You're talking to, and this is what's more painful for me as the White Sox fan to hear this is. What's going on with the Diamondbacks? Well, they're a better ball club, but they just can't close out games. Look at these scores. 7-2, to yeah. 10-5, 3-2. to They didn't seem to have any trouble closing out games against the Chicago White Sox. And if we start to – we talk about measuring stick series all the time. Brian, right? Like the White Sox go in or, or you play uh, the Houston Astros or you play the New York Yankees. Some of the measuring stick series for the White Sox this season that they've failed to – even measure up to you're talking about the Kansas city Royals. You're talking about the Arizona diamondbacks. You're talking about teams of that ilk where the white Sox should have been able to take two out of three very easily from this ball club, at least on paper. I know there's injuries. that are stacked up over the course of the weekend. We'll get to a couple of those. Um And this team just has played a lot of uninspiring baseball. You're telling me this as if, you know, it's supposed to make it feel better that this year, the, the diamondbacks, uh, you know, are a much better ball club than, they, than they're made out to be. As a White Sox fan, I'm hearing that and going, this is even more fucking pathetic that the White Sox couldn't get over a, a team that's had this many bullpen issues. And I'm hearing it from you firsthand right now. It's making me even more hashtag man online uh, just thinking about it. But yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand this one. We wanted to talk about Friday. This was Johnny Cueto day for the White Sox, obviously. Um, you know, we all know if you're a listener of this show, what the ramifications are of, um, each and every single one of these ball games. Johnny Cueto has been pretty much lights out for the White Sox, uh, during his tenure here, uh, the streak of quality starts was absolutely impressive. You come into Friday's game and I think it's the worst start of Johnny Cueto's career in a White Sox uniform. Brian, any thoughts from that one?
0: Yeah. You know, I was watching the game, uh, And, and, you know, not to get into the blackouts, but, you know, I had to find a different way to watch the game because I can't watch them because I live in Chicago and I don't have cable. So, Uh, but any, I was able to find a stream of it. And as I'm, you know, watching in that second inning where the, where the Diamondbacks put up six runs, you could see that something wasn't right between Sebi Savala and Johnny Cueto Um, so much so that even Bob Brenly, I was watching the the Diamondbacks broadcast of it. So Bob Brenly mentioned it. During the broadcast, and he's like, "You just you don't see this kind of emotion come out of Johnny Cueto, and he's very familiar with him because you know he did Cubs games for so long, and Cueto was in Cincinnati, um, so he you know he has that knowledge, and he's watching. and In the next inning, the third inning, you know, Cueto's throwing the rosin bag down on the ground, and, and he, again, Brenly was like, "That's just not something that you see out of Johnny Cueto, uh, and, and that at bat with Varsho in the third inning." it's really where it all kind of like came to a head to me where I'm like, man, what is happening? Because they just could not get on the same page. You know, the, whether you you think it's like a pitch com issue, but it's not, like it didn't seem like that because Cueto just did not like the pitches that Sebi was calling or, or what was happening. And eventually it just led to a, was a fastball right over the middle of the plate that Varsho took out. And, you know, so yeah, so something I think between the two of them, has to be or had to be addressed i don't know if cueto was just used to having grandal i i haven't been paying attention to like who's catching his start so much was it always grandal or reese mcguire when he was here uh but yeah that's that was like the thing that stood out to me the most was the the disconnect between the two uh of, you know the battery mates there for the white Sox, and i think that's ultimately what led to the downfall of, of from on friday for cueto
1: yeah, it was a very un Johnny cueto esque start. Um, Brian, I'll be honest with you. I don't have the data in front of me to tell you who Johnny Cueto's been throwing to. Um, but uh I would say Sebi Zavala's had a lot of a lot of the duties behind the plate uh since Grandal um, has had the various injuries, um, and Reese McGuire has has left the team um, via trade. Uh it's it, you've seen a lot of Sebi Zavala back there. Um you know, Quato in this game gives up five hits, seven earned runs. That was the most he's given up all year. So it's really easy to say that that was his worst start. But overall, the White Sox offense in Friday night's ball game also unable to do anything. Uh, you were able to get two runs across, but seven to two final, uh, not a lot of offense there. Let's move ahead to Saturday's game. You were there. Davis Martin gets the start for the White Sox. Uh, he didn't look very, very great either. Yeah. Um, winds up getting himself yanked pretty early in this ball game. We've seen good things from Davis Martin uh, in in very small uh, sample sizes, and we've seen some not-so-great things from Davis Martin. But again, here's a kid in a position where he needs to come up and have a big start for a team that is, I guess, still trying to compete for a playoff spot, um, and they they just were not able to get the job done. You were there. This game got very hostile. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what was going on in the stands and stuff, uh, hat 35th and shields here, but give me your thoughts on Saturday, this ball game, Brian.
0: Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was great. Obviously as, as a Diamondbacks fan, I was out there, my Serpiente's Jersey. Uh, I will say though, I was wearing my South edition pitching inter shirt underneath, you know, I grew up here. I've still, I still love the socks. The Diamondbacks are are kind of my team. So Uh, but yeah, Davis Martin was kind of wild. Like it didn't seem like he could find the zone, you know, Carson Kelly had, I think three, uh, three walks before he got that hit in the, in the last inning. Um, and you know, like it's, it's also like typical diamondback baseball too. Like, you know, we talk about these scores here in these games. I think the, the problem is, is something that we've been talking about all year on this show that you guys have been talking about is, the White Sox only hitting singles, you know, they're not getting they're not being opportunistic with you know runners on base and things like that, because one of the Diamondbacks M.O.s is that they can't hold the lead, like I said, and can't close out games. So, like, even though the scores are the way they are, I've watched so many games where they go up five and they end up losing by two because they they either just stop scoring. They stop trying. I don't know what it is with them. They they like to go up big a lot of times and then just not do anything. And you could see it happen all last night. You know, they, they went up early and uh, they tacked on a couple runs over the, like one off of Velasquez and then one off of uh, um, who was it? it wasn't Ruiz. I forget who came in after. Uh, but anyway, they, they tacked on one more, but then the Sox came back when Melanson came in and, you know, they very well should have tied the game. And if Eloy hit that home run, like if it was, if it actually went over the wall, that's a different ball game. I didn't like that matchup. I don't know what Tori was thinking, bringing in Joe
1: Mancipli. I mean, face you, Eloy. you, you sent me a message <laughs> kind of at a uh, commercial break while you were there uh, saying this is going to be dangerous. And I, I, I'm looking for reasons for hope, right? As a white Sox right. fan, that was my reason for hope. And the ball comes off of Eloy Jimenez's bat. Oh, we all and thought just, it was gone. Just dies. Right, right at the yeah. warning. And the warning track power stuff has been a thing all year for the White Sox. You, anybody who watches any sort of baseball knows that this team just struggles to hit the home run. And this is—I've got to—I've got to rewind Saturday's game just a little bit here, Brian. You got to see my baby boy hit a three-run homer. Oh, that's
0: that's right. Yeah, I can't believe I skipped that. I apologize.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I I make sure that Gavin Cheats gets his due on the show. It's my job, uh, but. They came out. They did the home run thing that that Steve talks about: ball in air, ball go far, team go far, all of that. Runners on base, this runners time, on too. base to boot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like it was the trifecta of everything that you've been asking for from a White Sox hitter, especially in the first inning to go out and, and grab a lead. Then it, it's kind of the same thing for the White Sox that you're talking about with with the Diamondbacks here, only able to ha- just tack on. Two runs and then you know, Davis Martin comes back out there and 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 gives up all this this hard earned work because the Sox actually did the thing that people are clamoring for them to do. And and then you you talk about Eloy, and that would have been a three run homer. I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain to uh it tie tied it. It was a two yeah, run home two run home run at the time, uh, that would have tied the ball game. It's it's it just feels so snake bitten. Just feels so snake bitten, especially when you bring up multiple times that they've had problems holding the lead. That would have played into the narrative of the Diamondback season. It just seems like the White Sox narrative continues to build upon itself and they can't do anything to shake out of it. That's what's so frustrating about watching this team right now. Yeah. Uh, you know,
0: and I, I wonder, like I said, I wonder about that decision to bring in Joe Mantiply. And I, I think Tory just had all the faith in the world to keep Melanson in and didn't put up a righty. And all he had was Mantiply. So I think that's why he did that. Um, you know, I was asking for anyone else. <laughs> I just didn't like the lefty-righty matchup there.
1: And that's what's but, so painful to me, Brian, is – you watch this team, and I, I want listeners who, who tune into that. You watch this team, and you're, you're quivering because of their managerial decision in this moment. Eli gives it a ride, but it just wasn't enough. And at the end of the day, Arizona walks away with the second row a win over the Chicago White Sox, and things get even bleaker from there. Yeah. At least from the White Sox perspective.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just they I don't know what's going on with the with the bullpen either. Like, you know, for for them to like have that rally, you think the momentum is in their favor. And then you come back out and you load the bases <laughs> and allowing Carson Kelly to single in two more runs and, and just put it out of reach, you know. I think there was even a, a sack fly in there before that. Um, because that, that got them to ten. And yeah, it's just at that point you're just deflated. I don't know. I don't know how like this team can do that. When, you know, like when Gavin sheets came up, my friend who I was with, he was like, I, I looked at him and I said, I, I don't like this right now. Like Merrill, is it looking good? You know, coming into the game, Merrill Kelly is, he was the number, he was fifth in terms of ERA in the like lowest ERA in the league. Um, and he hasn't given up too many home runs but i just i just knew watching that like something wasn't right with him in that first inning and sure enough like gavin crushed it and i i looked at my friend i said i told you i feared i feared what gavin sheets was going to do here
1: <laughs> and and i just thought i loved I like, it i loved it at the time it was it was probably one of the brighter spots of my weekend yeah. if we're being honest or recap the weekend I, I just don't know how we, we got there Saturday. Speaking of Kellys, th- this was, I think, the like the most Kellys that have ever played in a baseball game. Uh, Joe Kelly does come into this one. One injury note here. I know we, we want to get to some injuries, but Joe Kelly for the White Sox exits that ball game off of a comebacker. Uh, Brian, it was a little hard to tell where that hit him at first, um, but it looked like it got both of his legs, one behind the knee and then once off the ankle or shoe um, on Joe Kelly, and he leaves the ball game. Uh, you know, you had Johan Moncada go down this weekend for the White Sox. You had Eloy Jimenez kind of have some struggles again as well. Luis Robert obviously uh, had been swinging one-handed for a while, has been missing from the White Sox lineup. So more just injuries galore uh, for your Chicago White Sox. Uh, of note, uh, Luis Robert did enter today's ball game as a pinch runner. Eloy as a pinch hitter. Uh, we'll get to today's ball game here. Uh, Brian, in just a second. But Saturday started so promising for the White Sox. Obviously, wound up in your favor. And then uh, we've got today, Dylan Cease on the mound. Eight innings, two hits, two runs, both of them via the long ball. White Sox offense was able to keep this thing close until Kendall Graveman enters, and uh, Arizona breaks through. And... That's coming in the ninth inning, and that one hurts, I think, the most as a White Sox fan, Brian. But you gotta feel good on the other end. And, and I'm just gonna keep drinking this away. But
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing. so I, I interesting broken. stat on Dylan Cease. you know. The the way to get to him is early. And I think it's in the first two innings they were talking about on the broadcast that eight of those 12 home runs he's given up this season have come in that first two innings. And so Stone Garrett hitting that in the first inning was huge. Um, And that's, you know, he just recently got called up. And that's a righty bat that Diamondbacks fans have been clamoring for him to be called up. Like even before the Emmanuel Rivera trade that they made with the Royals, you know, Stone Garrett was having this power season down at AAA. And they're like, we need a righty bat. And like just having one righty bat in the lineup, you could even see it on Saturday, just the lineup diversity it created. For Tori to be, go, be able to go lefty righty, switch lefty righty, uh, which they had that on
1: this show. <laughs> well,
0: that's what I. That's the point I'm also trying to make. Is like, okay, it, there's so many parallels between the Sox and the Diamondbacks that I've seen all season. Whether it is you know the lineup parody and how it is, and, and also taught them well, how to win. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel totally taught them how to win. <laughs> um, you know, there's just they just been so similar this year. Minus, you know, like, like I mean, the bullpen struggles have been real for both teams, you know, and, and the, the White Sox are righty heavy, the Diamondbacks are lefty heavy. It's just, it seems it's like this weird baseball symmetry. Um, but then you you kind of like you see a move like Emmanuel Rivera, like that didn't move the needle for me at the deadline, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know much about this guy. But he, he's come in and he's, he's just his presence alone and like some of the big hits that he had, it changes the way the lineup functions. Uh, And so that is something where I'm like, I don't understand why the White Sox couldn't even just find like a serviceable lefty outfield bat. <laughs> like they didn't have to careful go. Who, swing careful big.
1: who we're talking about here. Cause I feel that Gavin sheets is the, is the lefty <laughs> outfield at bat that they have to play with right now. And uh, yes. unfortunately, you know, he's not the best defender out there and you you, you can find Every reason to hate on some of the outfield play of both Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, but I like when I like when Gavin's in the lineup or and he's been very serviceable as a pinch hitter, especially since coming back up from that stint down in Charlotte. But it's just interesting to hear like that baseball symmetry that you talk about. Um, you know, with them being a very, you know, one-plate side dominant team and how the lineup functions when you get that right-handed bat or that left-handed bat in there that can do some damage um, in just, you know, those prime opportunity spots. Talk about being opportunistic. That's that's one of the things that you have to have in your lineup in order for you to score a lot of runs. And unfortunately, I think for both of these ball clubs, uh, they run into these situations all the time. Um, and I wouldn't say I watch a lot of Diamondbacks baseball. I've learned more about it this year uh, through you. Um, but I haven't I haven't watched a lot of Diamondbacks baseball since Craig Council was there, uh. So I, I'm not too familiar what's been going on with them uh, on a day to day basis, Brian. But it just feels, and, and this is where I think White Sox fans yeah, don't take this the wrong way, Brian. It just feels like the White Sox shouldn't be operating at Diamondbacks level right now. And, and it's you're you're playing subpar baseball to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think that the fans just want more. So I want to hone back in on Saturday's baseball game. I know we kind of flew through today's, but you had some fans out in the stands with a sell the team sign and you were there. You saw it eventually moved over to the dugout um, before getting confiscated. You can check out that a picture of that sign over at on we got an article up about it. Brian, how hostile was it there at the ballpark, uh, in terms of White Sox fans? Have you experienced that with the Diamondbacks at any point in time? Uh, or or just give me give me what your thoughts are on, on how that environment was, uh, knowing the storyline of this team, uh, and knowing that Dallas Keichel taught them how to win and where we're at right now.
0: <laughs> uh so yeah, I mean, if you live in in Reddit, Bill, uh you you experience all kinds of that stuff, you know. <laughs> especially in the diamondbacks chats where you know, they, people wanted to fire tory after last season and they were upset that he was given another chance um but i i think it's a tale of two two different teams in perspective you know like coming into the year white Sox were world series favorites you know they they were gonna they're supposed to be there their playoffs were a lock like it was guaranteed based on the central the diamondbacks are still an up-and-coming team they've called up a lot of young players like players making their debuts this year, Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy, who honestly, I just love that kid. He's, and he was the killer in in these last two games, you know, like he, he drove in the winning run today and he had, uh, he had, I think he was on base four times yesterday and he stole two bases. Um, so you, if anyone taught the Dimebacks how to win, I would say it's Jake McCarthy. He's the, he's the, the, the battery that makes the team go in my opinion. Um, but As far as yeah, like I'm saying, I I just think you have to look. Like I think the reason why you know you're you're saying ah you know we shouldn't be playing at the Diamondbacks level is because of what we were sold at the beginning of the year, right? And I don't know. I, I whereas if you look at the Diamondbacks and yeah, they're under 500, and like I said, we talked. I mentioned before, you know, the the losses that they had from their closers that they be a playoff team. You know, it's still fun. Like this is the most fun I've had since probably 2017 or maybe 2018 when we had J.D. Martinez, Uh, you know, and it's yeah, it's it's no longer a sad, (laughs) sad thing to watch anymore. Even though they're under 500, you got these
1: kids who are playing so well and like you're just excited to see them. Careful with that because it's it's (laughs) it's very it's very similar to me. And, you know, you talk about sort of the expectations when a ball club comes and in, reports into spring training and, you know, what's the general consensus feel about a team, Brian? I don't think anybody was picking the Diamondbacks to be a playoff team this year, um, whereas the White Sox, obviously you, you said World Series contenders, World Series favorites, obvious AL Central favorites. Um, you know, to be five, six games back, Uh, As we closed down the last week of August, I don't think anybody in their right mind would have said in Vegas that that was even really possible. I mean, you saw the odds going into the season. There was a lot of people where, you know, the the White Sox were pretty smart money uh, when it came to just their chances to win this division. It's it's unreal where we're at. Um, and you know i remember 2018 2019 and even 2020 for this white sox team you talk about kids that come up and and start to be that that battery for or the straw that serves the drink the the, the, the uh, whatever metaphor you want to use for a guy that's going to come up and and be that guy the sox had a lot of them push through this system they've emptied the farm system into the major leagues and you're just sitting here right now and the taste. Your mouth is, is not pleasant and it's not fun. Whereas you get to watch pretty pressure-free baseball at this point in time. You talk about having you know a, a really good season as a fan and having fun. I, I'm I'm jealous of that personally as, uh, on the White Sox side, because right now it just seems like everything around this ball club is completely negative. There's not really any good things that anybody's saying online and any social media platform about the Chicago White Sox it's it's sad and I mean you talk about the hostility at the ballpark where things go um from here i don't know because this is i've never seen this before
0: yeah i mean you know the fire tony chants were ringing out pretty loud last night that's you know especially after they gave up the three runs in the night i think it was the ninth right um so yeah i mean and then sell the Zelda team sign out there everyone was cheering for that those people, every time they, they opened the sign, everyone was like so excited. Like, I was like, what's going on in this, in the the bleachers? Like, and you see the sign out there and then, Oh, they're behind the dugout now. And you know, the booze that rang out when the security guards stole the sign and crumpled it up. And like, he like made a show of it too. Like he, he was like, you know, I thought they got kicked out. I even, I messaged you and I was like, oh, I think they got kicked out, but they, they didn't. And, and he, but he just crumpled it up and like kicked it down the stairs to another security guard. And it was just, it just laid there the rest of the game. Uh, and I hadn't, you know, I guess, you know, yeah, it's one thing in like Reddit chats. I haven't really experienced that in a ballpark before where people are actively like booing <laughs> the manager and like with the fire Tony chance, you know, and up to this point, I've, I've thought like, you know, maybe it's like a bit of an overreaction. Like I'm kind of with you. I I think Tony's made some questionable decisions, sure. Uh, But I don't don't know if firing him is the answer. I don't know like what the answer is to get this team on track. The hard part is, like you said, you know, these guys have been pushed up. They're in the majors now, but there's no one else really coming. You know, like maybe Colson Montgomery, Oscar Colas, right? Uh, but I, I, yeah, there's not much. To- there's,
1: there's no real needle mover. Um, right. I mean, of these guys and not, and that's not to take away from the baseball talents of Colson Montgomery or Oscar Colas. And I would say, even if Colson Montgomery is coming up, he's probably going to have to play second base, even if, and his, uh, trajectory doesn't really land him on the South side really next year, unless it's late and he takes some huge jumps even that might be a little bit of a stretch. I think you're still probably two years away from seeing Colson Montgomery. Um, Oscar Colas probably at some point next year. But I just don't see that that spark coming internally right now, Brian. I think one thing that uh, I've kind of just been a little disappointed in, I thought that Yohan Mankata was going to be that guy. And up until him getting hurt, you started to see Yohan Mankata turn a little bit of a corner. He started to get really hot and kind of drive this team uh through uh, some some just difficult periods where he was the one who seemed to care a lot more and that was that was different than what you've seen out of Yoan Moncada for a while and then he goes down earlier this season you had Yasmani Grandal start to have his hottest stretch of the year before he sustained a major injury uh Eloy Jimenez um has had some awesome stretches of of you know just really good at bats cut short because all of a sudden he's leaving the game after swinging and missing a baseball. There's been so many times where whatever white sex player you have that gets hot, all of a sudden succumbs into an injury. I mean, Danny Mendick is another story this season. It's been, if it's not one guy, it's the next. Um, and it just, it just feels so wrong um, every single time that you, you, there's no guy that's had this real, run of success because they're all cut short due to injuries. I don't think you really ever saw Tim Anderson get full speed into his season this year at all. Um, and even Jose Abreu, despite leading the league at points in time and hits, um hasn't had the extra base hits that you would expect. Uh, there's not a lot of doubles there comparative. There's not a lot of home runs there comparative to the back of the baseball card as of every other year. So you couple, all those things together, it's been a frustrating year for the Chicago White Sox. It's been a frustrating year for the offense. I think even some pitching injuries mixed into that, the discontent from the fan base. I think that there, there's a lot of, nobody knows who really to blame. I mean, you bring up, is Larusa the answer to get rid of? I don't know. I don't know if that really changes anything. Uh, can you shake up this core? There's not a lot of value there right now with guys who've had this many injuries and are signed to longer term deals cause you don't know what you're going to get. So, and are you going to trade one? That's that's good to get a return. And what does that mess up? Uh, sell the team. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like everybody is angry. Uh, the, the results have been piss poor. And so it, this is where we're at. It's kind of a weird space to be in. Um, there was an article that came out the other day. I forget who wrote it, but I think it was in the daily Herald. Uh, that said, you know, it was an opinion piece that said the White Sox are going to take a mulligan on this season and try it again next year with largely the same core and probably La Russa too. C- will it work? I don't know. Um, can the guys stay healthy? I don't know. There's, there's just, uh, we're in a really weird spot. And some people want him to tear it all down. I guess from where I'm at, Brian, I don't really want to see him tear it all down right now because I just went through a rebuild. I just went through all of this stuff. I just went through a couple of years of promise and false hope. You better make sure this thing is fucking dead before you take it out back and shoot it. Because if that's what you're going to do and blow this whole entire thing up, I don't want to go watch yoan Madcada or Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert or Andrew Vaughn all go somewhere and have the best career years. I don't want to live the, the Mariner's life, uh, <laughs> if if you get what I mean. Um, oh, yeah, we
0: have Cattel Marte. Because, so.
1: again, we were sold that these guys are so damn good, and yet we haven't even – I think there was one game all year the core played together. It, it's just – it's absolutely embarrassing uh, that this is where we're at as White Sox fans. Brian, it's, it, it hurts yeah. to talk about day in, day out. So sorry I'm venting, but it's Sunday fun. Day, I had to get it off my chest.
0: I understand. I understand. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's been tough for me too. Like, you know, like I said, I I don't know if I even said that earlier, but I, I grew up a white Sox fan. I still have love for them. Uh, I love cheering for them. You know, for me, this weekend was a win for me. This weekend was you know the diamondbacks winning Cleveland losing and Minnesota losing. It didn't happen that way. Totally. But you know, a win also for me would have been all those things with the white Sox winning. Like I, I love both teams. Um, but that said, like, yeah, I, I think sell the team is a huge leap. I don't know. And I honestly don't know if that would change anything. If you did, then that definitely signals a rebuild. I mean, look at the Angels. Like, the rumors are, are flowing that, hey, that uh, Artie's going to sell the team there. And what's going to happen? Like, I don't know if you can move Mike Trout on his contract, but they're already saying, like, a new owner comes in, they might trade Shohei. I don't know how you could do that, but you know, it's, it's something, it's
1: a possibility. I, think I don't want to see this guy's get moved. Go. I think Shohei does get moved. I don't want to see the white Sox core go either. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens with Jose Abreu. I think Jerry selling the team this offseason is a huge, huge stretch. Um, so I don't even want to go down that path no, right now. No. Um, so I do think they probably wind up trying to run it back, but I think you just need to get some ancillary pieces in here to this. They thing, need more right? depth. Yeah, it's, it's a huge depth problem, especially if you look at this and say these guys are going to only play 100 games maybe max. I think Jose Abreu is the only one that has a shot this season of getting over 140 tells me that there's been a lot of depth that hasn't uh, shown up. And even your depth got injured. You just talked yeah. about Danny Mendick a minute ago, um, and that guy was going to have a career year if he, if he had the opportunity to. I'm still a little bit mad about that play, um, but I digress. Sox need to do something. We're going to be probably talking about that a lot down the stretch here, but guess what? This season isn't over yet, Brian. The Sox still have more games to play. we got an off day tomorrow, much needed, I think, for a lot of people's mental health, although I'm sick. I would love to watch the White Sox play baseball tomorrow, but off day, we're back Tuesday. I'm going to be at the ballpark we got Lucas Giolito against TBD for the Kansas City Royals. The Royals have given the White Sox fits all year, Brian. Um, I, I, it, it's hard to go into this with a lot of faith, right? It's hard to go into this with a lot of faith. A uh, wise man once told me uh, by the name of, of uh, Negative Nani, never get up for the letdown. I'm starting to get into that kind of mindset here because – Things have been so bleak in terms of the Chicago White Sox offense and scoring runs and just ultimately winning ballgames. But Lucas Giolito will take the mound Tuesday night against the Kansas City Royals. We like to give picks to click on this show. Brian, I'm going to give you the chance to give a White Sox pick to click for Tuesday night's ballgame. All
0: right, well... (sighs) That's a, so one thing I didn't mention too, that I, I wanted to talk about was Josh Harrison actually showing some like emotion in the dugout last night after Gavin sheets his home run. And I was like, Hey, there's excitement in that dugout. What's going on over there? Uh, so again, I wonder like why, you know, what, what happened there, but I'd say Josh Harrison, I'm going to pick him just to mess with Steve. I think uh, that would be, the best pick to click for me in this series. I think he'll do some stuff, uh, do some damage against Kansas City, and you know, look, Lucas Giolito is coming off of a good start. Yes, he is. Ho- hopefully, he can build on that uh, against against the Royals. He should be able to. Of course, <laughs> we've been saying that all year. Yes, uh, nothing is guaranteed, and we know that. But I do find it interesting. And I was just looking. Uh, I, I looked off to my left here, and I, I noticed you know people were talking about on Twitter like. For the Diamondbacks, just win ten more games, or you know, you're you're only ten back of the wild card. Just win, like you can do that. Whereas Mm -hmm. we're looking at the Sox, they're what six back now, six and a half, and it's like an insurmountable task. But they still have to play. You know, how many more times? I I haven't looked at the schedule. How many times have the Royals, the the Guardians, or the Twins? You know, like they can gain ground on those guys in the final month here. You might be Um, the most positive one that's ever gotten on this show this year, Brian. (laughs) Look, you know. You could, yeah. I want to be take as my positive title, as you. take
1: my title, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> but also, you know, maybe you could get down for the let up. I don't know, maybe because you were talking last time too. Like, maybe we need more negative energy, so just get down for the let up. And that's why I'm gonna pick Josh Harrison for my picks a click. Yeah,
1: I, I like the shot at our guy, NWI Steve. I think that's that's poetic and beautiful. Um, I, I like the Harrison pick. I'm I'm going to go Mr. Jose Abreu. You know he's going to be in the lineup. It's been not the August that people expected Jose Abreu to have. So it's time to close August with some August Abreu uh, and uh, just have a good start to September. I'm going Jose Abreu. It's been far too long since this guy's had a home run. In fact, this whole lineup is due. Maybe outside of Gavin Sheets, this entire lineup's due. I think Jose Abreu has to get the job done, Brian.
0: Definitely. And speaking of being due for home runs, there was a there was a kid behind me last night when when the Sox went down ten to five, and he's like, "Just five home runs. That's all we need. Just five home runs." And I was like, "Oh, buddy, you're gonna need like maybe ten singles at
1: this point." Yeah, <laughs> and that's something that uh, the the White Sox have just it's it's been yeah. such a rough rough well, for year. friday's yeah.
0: game yeah for friday's game i think the, the outfield defense is like that's that is what you know the excitement the exciting thing for the diamondbacks right now is that outfield defense and on friday like they put that on full display like you said a brave didn't have any like extra base hits i mean alec thomas
1: robbed him of one he had an easy double And And so often it happens for the Chicago White Sox. And I was very impressed, Brian, if I do have one final thought from this series, I was very impressed with Alec Thomas. I think that, uh, you know, Chicago kid, local product uh, coming in here. And we've seen this with the White Sox a couple of times this year. Kansas City uh, seems to just draft up every single kid that comes out of this area. Now you see Alec Thomas uh, coming in and and just going – on full display for the Chicago white Sox organization, you know, why they should have picked him. Right. Like it just seems like we've had a lot of that. I I don't know what to call it. You know, the, uh, the, the statement games from some guys who grew up white Sox fans or whatever came into town and uh, just played balls to the wall. Baseball carried a lot of positive energy to their ball clubs and they've been able to handle the Chicago white Sox with ease. And you see that with two teams, the Diamondbacks and the Royals, um, it's just starting to become a pattern. Uh, at least something that I've noticed uh, over the course of this year. I mean, does your
0: strength and conditioning
1: coach's son? You know, like <laughs> I don't know how you pass yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really know either, Brian. But uh, the White side, as we say around these parts, hashtag that's so White Sox. Um, but yeah, I mean. That's, that's just not a good, not a good feeling. Well, yeah. I okay. mean, after
0: the, after the sheets home run, the Sox had two extra base hits, you know, beyond that. So I, you
1: know, they it's... need to, they need to get in the left-hand column, Brian. That's the problem. Left-hand column is, is what matters. Obviously we want them to do things uh, that help that, but I, I just need more. I need more. I need more mm-hmm. fun. I need more fireworks. I need, I need more, I need more wins. Um, and I think most White Sox fans are there. Huge series coming up with Kansas City, Brian. Any final thoughts?
0: Um, no, not really. But, I, you know, just to, to, again, stray away from some of the negative energy, I do want to share a quick story. Uh, Go for it. I was I was able to snag uh, an autograph from Cattell Marte last night because my our seats were right behind the Diamondbacks dugout. Uh, and then after the game, I hung out for a bit. Uh, The security guards are really nice. They let me stay and be a child long enough to get Dalton Varsho's autograph. Uh, And there was a young White Sox fan there with me. um, And he had been waiting a while too. And he got Dalton Varsho's autograph. But he really wanted Cattell Marte's. I actually already have a signed ball from Cattell Marte. And so I gave him my ball. I said, hey, man, this has Cattell Marte and now Dalton Varsho's signatures on it. I'll trade you for your Dalton Varsho ball. You could have mine and also my ball also has nick ahmed's signature but you know i i'm not a big nick ahmed guy <laughs> i've heard i've actually before. yeah i'm actually glad that perdomo is playing and you know and doing well perdomo's also got like a bit of that Moncada in him where if there are runners in scoring position he'll get a hit but if not there's nothing <laughs> but beyond that anyway so i i traded the ball with the kid and he was you know Elated. He's a White Sox fan, but he really likes. Obviously, Ketel Marte is the best player, or highly regarded as the best player on the Diamondbacks, and so just sharing that, not to you know toot my own horn in any way, but just you know pay it forward to to other people, make people's day. You know, let's be a lot nicer to each other. Let's try to. You know, it was a rough weekend for White Sox fans, and you know, hug a White
1: Sox fan. Hug make a White Sox fan. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> Hug a White Sox fan. Brian, I, I, I love stories like that because uh it's gonna take a lot to grow the game of baseball. Um and, and make those memories for kids uh who, who you, you know baseball isn't exactly regarded as an up and coming sport. We, we, right. we all know that. Um uh, so I think it's important to take your kid to the ballpark. It's important to when you have a kid that's at the ballpark who, uh, you know, can po- they have a positive experience and want to come back and be a lifelong fan. I think that that's, those are awesome moments. I believe I wrote an article about uh, Joey Votto saving a kid's life uh, from, from a lifelong uh, uh, trajectory of being a Cubs fan earlier this season. <laughs> um, you know, I love when people, you know, take time out of their days to help grow the game of baseball and it can be done in many different ways, and there, there's a whole lot of stuff out there, Brian, and I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Zach Campbell's all over the baseball news oh, Yeah. Uh, from what happened in Colorado, and uh, there's just a lot of stuff out there. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that story. I think it's important. But I also really want to get down to the core aspect of this. Hug a White Sox fan and make them feel better, because I think at this very moment, White Sox fans probably need that hug. Um, if you see NWI Steve Roaming the streets of Northwest Indiana, make sure that you stop and give him a hug. He probably really needs it. Uh, if you see Johnny uh, out there somewhere, he probably needs a hug too. Uh, I wouldn't hug our guy Buzz right now. He's got COVID. Uh, but <laughs> hug a White Sox fan and uh help him through these these trying times. Um, it's 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 not pretty out there, folks. We'll be back Tuesday. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. You gave me some insight. Uh, as, a, as a Diamondbacks fan that I felt put a lot of things in perspective for me, you, you followed that team every day just the way we follow the White Sox here. Um, you're always on top of that stuff. And you do great work on the back end of these shows. And we both have work to do on the back end of this show to get this published out there for all of our listeners. Be sure that you're going and checking us out at ONTAPSportsNet.com. That's where you can find all of our written content. Follow us on YouTube, ontapsportsnet, SportsNet, Facebook, and Twitter all the same there on tap sports, the show specifically at socks on tap. We've got a big week ahead of us here. Might be a new website launching at some point this week as we transition over, uh, to the sports illustrated media group, it's exciting times here around on tap sports that we thank you for tuning in. Brian Close this down how I always do. I want to hear that Diamondback stuff.
0: But <laughs> before we do that, Tony, let me just say real yes. quick. Let's yes. Keep the conversation going on YouTube as well. Please comment on the videos. That helps the YouTube algorithm. Gets us uh, in front of more eyeballs. So. Yes, please, we you would know love to interact stuff. with you too. You're the yeah. you're
1: the YouTube video guy. Get in our comments. We want it. We want to hear from you. Yeah. We it's want great when you're you. live,
0: but we we want to see you even on the on the clips and things like that yes. as well.
1: Yes. Comment on this stuff. We need some comments. That's a good. That's a good notice there, Brian. See, he's got the insights that I don't have because <laughs> he's in. He's in the weeds.
0: Definitely, but yes, go ahead. Close it out now, Tony. I
1: will. I will absolutely do it. White Sox forever.